0: Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. We do want to celebrate mothers today, and we thank God for for moms. Thank God for the women in our lives. Uh, I am blessed to, to get to say Happy Mother's Day to my mom. She's hiding. She's not in her pew. There she is. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, and Happy Mother's Day to the mother of my children. I am rich. I am very, very rich to be... Uh, to have the mother I do and to, to have the wife I do to be mother to, to my kids, to always be there so I can say, go ask your mother. <laughs> so we want to celebrate our women today. We, we have a gift for women. And so as you go out, I think some teenagers are going to be passing out these, these little bags. These little bags have a scripture attached and inside is wildflower seed. So wherever you would like to have some wildflowers come up, you can empty this bag out and then there will be some wildflowers. So uh, moms, women, make sure you grab a, a gift on your way out the door. Thank you for, for all that you do for us and for for your kindness and love and nurturing care and for for all of the sacrifices that you have made for us. Thank you. This morning, I want to just remind people a couple of housekeeping pieces, 6 a.m. Thursday morning prayer via Zoom. You're always welcome, always love to have people join me. If you don't get those emails, sign up for the prayer list on our website, or you can find the link on Facebook on Wednesday afternoon. We I I just want to brag for a second about Lewiston First Nags. We are we are the richest church I have ever been aware of in capable preachers and and pastors, and so just as a snippet, last week we loaned Steve Thomas. He was up in Colfax, and we loaned Steve to Colfax because their pastor has retired, and he is in the, that church is in pastoral transition. And so their, their church is in pastoral tradition, so we loaned Steve last week, but now starting today until they call another pastor, we have loaned Monty and Tina Wing to go and be the interim there in in uh, Colfax. And so we, we're we just so blessed to have Monty and, and Tina as a part of our congregation. Uh, Monty is a retired pastor in the Church of the Nazarene, and so... We're, we're super blessed to have him. We loan frequently Bill Carr. Uh, Bill, Bill and Janet spend less time here than they spend other places pastoring churches in transition right now. They're in Spokane Bethel Church of the Nazarene. And so they, they are there this morning celebrating mothers. And then Pastor Bill Bull is also frequently on loan as a preacher this morning. He's in Grangeville, Grangeville to the south, and so he we we have loaned all these preachers. We're just I just always I like to brag. I always think we are so we are so rich in preachers. Isn't that great? So we uh we're doing that. And then let me remind you about family camp registration. I didn't see if anybody signed up for family camp last week or not, but oh somebody did. It's, Reagan's, Reagan was the first in line. And so we, we family camp registration is open and available. It's in the Welcome Center there. You're, you're welcome to sign up. Let us know what kind of accommodations you need. Remember, no two bathrobe situations at Camp Sanders. Camp Sanders is uh, bring your sleeping bag, sleep on a, on a very comfortable, very adequate bunk bed. And so come, uh, prepare prepare for that. There's some trailer spots if you, or camper spots if you have an RV that you want to bring. And so let us know what kind of of accommodations you need. I don't think I have mentioned publicly that I have secured a speaker, and this is old news now, but Bob Loon will be our speaker for, for family camp. Bob is a retired pastor on the district. He is Dick Loon's brother. Dick is a, a member here in Lewiston. And so if you know Dick and you think he's awesome, you'll be, you'll be really, you'll love Bob. If you know Dick and you think, eh, well, he's nothing like, like, uh, like Bob, so um, you, you'll, you'll want to come and be a part of family camp. It's going to be a great experience together. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and, and the dates are out there uh, second to last weekend in July. Children are dismissed. I think I have all of my housekeeping items taken care of. Have you ever had a time when you had to see it to believe it? Or you had to experience to know what you were getting yourself into? Have you ever had a moment in life like that when when you really... Somebody said, oh, it's awesome. You've got to check it out. You, you've you got to eat this. It's delicious. You'll love it. You know, mothers do that all the time. It's Mother's Day. You know, moms say, oh, eat this asparagus. It's so good. And, you know, you, you, look, you look at your mom and you're just unconvinced. Have you ever had an experience like that where you just haven't been quite sure, where you needed to experience it in order to, to know whether it was good or bad? I remember... When when I was a boy, our family spent uh, some time on the river. We would we would boat up the, the Snake River to the slack water into the rapids. And one of the family traditions was there's a particular rapid that we would throw on life jackets and float through. Well, everyone else would, and I would stay in the boat because I was afraid. And I didn't want to. My, one One year, my dad finally said, Paul, you're old enough, you know, you're like 18, it's time for you to be... <laughs> Uh, be a man and, and float through this rapid. It, it's time. I, w- I wasn't 18, okay, but it was time. It was time. My dad knew it was time, and so he he said, it, it's time. You're going to go. My dad's famous line is, you're going to do it, and you're going to like it, and I said, no, I'm not, and he said, yes, you are, and he uh, he got a life jacket for me, and he he came to where I was sitting, you know, huddled in a corner in the boat, and he started to try to take my t-shirt off of me and put a life jacket on me. I said, I'm not going, Dad. And when he tells the story, he says, just as I was about to give up, Paul grabbed the life jacket, pulled his shirt off, and jumped off the back of the boat. And and uh, so the rapid that we go through, it's got these big rollers, and it's like going through ocean waves. And so we we went over the first roller, and it was Pretty fun, and then when we went over the second roller, and it was really fun, and then the you know it just kept going, and I thought it was going to die at a few moments, and I didn't, and I got to the bottom, and I got on the boat, and I said, "Can we do it again?" Because <laughs> it was so much fun. I never would have done it if if I hadn't been almost thrown out of the boat to to do it. I had to see it to believe it. I had to I had to see it to. To know that it really was as much fun as everyone had made it out to be. Well, during the month of May, we are talking about the vision for for our congregation. I told the story last week about how uh, Greg McCracken, who this week is bouncing a baby in the the back of the sanctuary, uh, Greg uh, helped me out gather a diverse group of leaders from our congregation to talk about the future and talk about the vision for, for our church and we we worked for several several weeks, a couple of months, putting together a, a statement we, we wrote a vision statement that we believe both identifies us and stretches us. It talks about who we are, but it talks about who we hope to be and and I think this I anticipate that this vision that we 've written down will shape the culture of our church for the next period of time i don 't know four to seven to ten years. Uh, and, and then it'll be time to ask God, is, is there something else that, that you have called us to do? Or is, is there a vision that you would like to recast for us? But the vision statement that we've written down for this season is that uh, we believe that God's calling first Naz to be a growing community of all generations, intentionally following Jesus, graciously doing life together, joyfully serving, loving everyone. That's what we believe we are to be. And so, during the month of May, I am taking the, the remaining four Sundays of May, I'm taking each of those four bullet points. Last week, I talked a little bit about what it means to be a community of all generations, that there, there is no group here that is the church of the past. There's no group here that is the church of the future. We are the church. This is the church. If you, as long as the Lord lends you breath... And as long as you believe in Jesus, you are the church. And 1st NAS needs you to be fully engaged and be a part of who we are because God has called you to be a part of the church. And so we we welcome all generations. Our vision team, our strategic planning committee, also worked on a more detailed description of each of these four areas that are bullet-pointed. And so under the the title, Intentionally Following Jesus, we've written this, and it's not official language, it's just kind of a description of what we hope maybe we can do as we intentionally follow Jesus. And what we've written is this, we are actively providing ongoing, diverse opportunities for education, accountability, and evangelism, challenging each one to grow in spiritual depth. So that's really what we we hope to do as a body that intentionally follows after our Savior. That we would we would have a variety, we would have lots of variety in in opportunities, but then that we would focus as we focus on intentionally following Jesus, that we recognize the need for education. We, we need to understand Scripture, we need to understand our theology and who we are as a congregation. We we also believe in accountability, in in offering. An account one to another of confessing our sins one to another, as as the uh, book of Hebrews tells us to do, and we we believe that God has called us to to be to give an account one to another, and then also for evangelism, for sharing this story more broadly, not simply intentionally following Jesus, just just us who already call ourselves Christian, but inviting those who don't yet know the saving power of Jesus to follow Him and and to to walk in the life that he has called us to live. And so we, we believe that the end, the end result then is depth, This spiritual depth, is, is a maturity and, and a wisdom that comes from following the Lord. And as the Spirit works in us, we believe that that, that, that happens. But we, we want to be intentional about this. So we're not, we're not haphazardly following Jesus. We are intentionally following Jesus. You know, to talk about this, is, is give a sermon about intentionally following Jesus, there's a lot of places I could go. And there's a lot of things that I could do in Scripture. A lot of places in, in the Bible talk about the need to, to work together as the body to, to follow Jesus. I could have gone to 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, where the Apostle Paul says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. If, if I was preaching that sermon, I would talk about how important it is that we work together and walk together to follow, follow our Lord. There, there is a, a, the reality that we must spur one another on in this journey. That's what the accountability is about. That, that's what working together is, is about. And, but, but today we're focused more on the call from Jesus himself to follow. And so today we're, we're talking a little bit more about Jesus calling us to follow. Another place I could have gone to talk about that would be Matthew sixteen twenty four, where Jesus says, uh, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Uh, and And if I used that verse, I, I could have talked about the sacrifice that Jesus expects from us as we follow him, uh, and we we understand that that there is a sacrifice it, it involves a sacrifice to follow follow jesus we, The apostle Paul later in the new testament he he talked the, about the reality that we must offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the lord that that is how we worship him. And so I could have talked about about that, but instead this morning I'm going to take a a passage of Je- from Jesus's life, of him inviting people to follow him. And so I'm in the book of John, and I'm I'm looking at first at the book of John chapter one. And so if you want to want to look in your Bible with me at, at John chapter one, J- John chapter one begins with the prologue, the first eighteen verses that give an introduction to the person of Jesus. It talks about his eternal equality with God the Father, how, how Jesus has been, been God and with God from the very beginning, from, from the foundation of the, from the beginning, from the beginning. And then it, it identifies Jesus as one who, who would uh, share God's light with the world in, in the darkness of this world. And then John it talks about John the Baptist and John the Baptist's role in paving the way for Jesus. Then the the gospel turns to the person of John the Baptist. And in verse 19, uh, John the Baptist becomes the key figure. And he begins by confronting some religious leaders. Some people from Jerusalem had come to to see. John had developed a a big following out in the wilderness. And so the the religious leaders from Jerusalem sent some, some people to investigate. What's going on out in the wilderness? What's all the hubbub? In the wilderness, and so they they sent some investigators out, and in that interaction, John says that he is he is not even worthy to untie Jesus's sandal strings. He 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 talks about Jesus. He says, I, "The one who's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal strings." I got to thinking about that imagery, um, and and. I, John demonstrates this this incredible level of reverence for Jesus. This incredible reverence for for this. Jesus was a man. Jesus walked around like Jesus didn't walk around with a holy glow so everybody knew that he was God. Jesus Jesus was a man. And, And John says, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And I got to thinking about that that incredible reverence. You know, in our culture, in our world, we are so accustomed to to equality, right? To everybody being pretty much on the same footing, to being pretty 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 much. You know, there there are some people we we respect authority in our in our world. We respect uh, those who have authority over us. Um, I got pulled over this week, and I said, "Sir," more times than I've said "Sir" uh, in a space of about five minutes. And he was a wonderful man. <laughs> we know what it is to respect authority, but I, I think in our culture we've lost a framework for the type of of regard that that the ancients gave to royalty. That that John would have seen Jesus as someone so so vastly important, so so far ahead of him that he he was he was not even considering himself worthy, like, to untie his shoes. Honestly, it, when we think about that imagery in, in our world, um, there's not many people in this world that I would think are worthy uh, of me untying their shoes, <laughs> let alone me not being worthy of untying their shoes, Right? and and so this this imagery just really struck me and sorry that's just kind of an aside as the gospel of john moves on telling stories it it, it tells stories in a succession of days and so pretty much every little snippet in in the first chapter of john is a new day. It was. The, it's the next day. So, the, the leaders come out and they investigate from Jerusalem. They investigate John the Baptist. And then verse 29 says, it's the next day that Jesus comes by and John says to his disciples, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And and then uh, some interesting things said about Jesus. And and then on to the passage we're looking at today, it begins in verse 35. And and. It's the next day. The Gospel of John says it's, it's the next day. And John the Baptist is hanging out with some of his own disciples. You knew that John the Baptist had disciples, right? He had people that had thought he was so important that they wanted to give their lives to follow after him. And so he had his own disciples. He's hanging out with a couple of of his disciples, and this happens. We're, we're going to read uh, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Now, John the Baptist is is just an incredible figure in the, these first couple of chapters of the Gospel of John. He he does this thing that that is is astounding as he as he gives disciples to Jesus. John was a celebrity in his own right. John was John was kind of a rock star. I mean, he was so important, he had so many people following him that the temple officials in Jerusalem said, "We got to get out to the wilderness and figure out what's going on here. We we might need to control what's happening in the wilderness just a little bit." And so John is this this incredibly, you know, popular figure in in the 1st century and and he just lets his followers go. It, it's pretty uncommon that any celebrity at any time throughout history will say, oh, why don't you people who think I'm really cool start following that person instead? And that's pretty uncommon. That's pretty unheard of with celebrity in our world. That that a celebrity would say, you know, I I know you think I'm really cool, but this guy is really the one that you want to follow celebrities don't do that john sets this incredible example he never wanted glory or recognition for himself he was always pointing to jesus every time that that john speaks he is speaking about jesus he's changing the subject from himself to being the subject being jesus and and that is an incredible an incredible witness in fact the gospel of john records his famous words, maybe John's most famous words, other than you brood of vipers, which is a great set of words from John the Baptist. John the Baptist in, in John the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 30, he says, He, meaning Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John the Baptist is completely unconcerned with his own fame, with his own star power. He, he is willing to use his influence only for Jesus' sake. He doesn't want his influence for his own sake. He wants to point other people to Jesus in everything he does. And so when two of his disciples walk away from him, he's undaunted. He's unconcerned. It, it reminds me early on in our in our time in Ecuador, we started attending a church in the neighborhood and we loved it. And and it was it was like a really fun church. It had a band that that almost rivaled the the Lewiston First Naz Band. It was a a really hot band. And there was a young guy that lived on the seminary campus where we were living that played bass. And uh, he was was cool. He was a cool bass player. He's a little guy and loved Pedro. And one one Sunday, he had played bass, like every Sunday we had been there. And then one Sunday, he he didn't play bass. And there was this younger guy that had this really cool quaff of hair Um, and uh, he, uh, he was playing bass that, that week. And so I saw Pedro on our, on our seminary campus a, a little while later. And I, I said, Pedro, um, you weren't playing bass in, on, in church on Sunday. I, I was really disappointed that you weren't, you weren't up there. I love seeing you up there, man. And he said, oh, Paul, that, that was like the best thing ever. Because that was my disciple that was playing bass. Pedro was a great bass player, and he he wanted to to worship the Lord, but what he really wanted was his disciples to be in the position of of serving the lord and he wanted his disciple to to move on beyond him. Pedro was a great example of what it is to to point people in the right direction now when when we read that there 's two two disciples of John that are with him and hear this message. Uh, he's with two of his disciples. In verse 40, we're going to learn that Andrew is one of those disciples. We're going to figure that out. But the other one remains unnamed. And this is one of the great mysteries of scripture, the the unnamed disciple of of John. We, we have no idea who it is. There's no, there's no biblical witness to it. There's no further further uh, understanding of who it might be. There, there might be hints in, in the other Gospels. Some people have some ideas. The, the best answer, or one of the best answers, is that maybe it was John himself, the the evangelist, the, the writer of the Gospel, because John never mentions his own name, or he, does, he doesn't like to mention his own name. And so in many, many instances, when when John is in the, in the uh, Gospel, he, he just says, "...the disciple whom Jesus loved." To to just avoid writing his own name in the record, so it may have been John. But it, one other interesting theory about this, and I'd love to hear your theory. Like if you if you want to tell me your theory of this great mystery of Scripture, um, like people who are on electronically like type in a, a comment on on Facebook. I'd I'd love to hear your theory. One other good theory, or one other idea that that maybe it could be is is it's not necessary to believe. That everyone who came and and took a peek at what Jesus was like became a disciple. And so it's possible that this other disciple of John the Baptist was was someone who came and and Jesus said, Come and see. And and he came and he spent the afternoon with Jesus and, and he said, mm, no thanks. That's a little John the Baptist was one thing, but Jesus a little too radical. It's possible. So those are just guesses. I'd love to be. I'd love to hear what your guess is. So, tell me. Tell me this week if you, if you have a guess about who the other disciple was. This great great mystery. Now Jesus has this really interesting brief interaction. Well, it's not brief, but it's brief in John, right? Because he it's three sentences, and so it's 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 got to be a, a summary of what happened here. John, John tells us that that the disciples spent the rest of the day with Jesus. Surely they didn't just sit in silence, but John records the, the most important parts of their conversation. And so their conversation is Jesus looking at them and saying, what do you want? And them saying, where are you staying? And Jesus replies, come, come and see. This question from Jesus, what do you want what do you want? I think this is a really important question when it comes to following Jesus intentionally. This is a question I, I think every disciple of Jesus needs to answer in his or her own heart as, as we try to consider what, what do we expect from our Christian faith? What do we expect from following God? I think some people come to Jesus and, and they expect that Jesus is, is like a good luck charm. You know, they they think Jesus is, gives a good insurance policy. Jesus can keep you from getting in trouble. Jesus can keep you from getting sick or really sick, and Jesus can you know bail you out when when you need uh, help when you when you have a problem. Uh, Jesus can keep us from from having all of the the pitfalls of life that that some people experience, and and so people people who come looking for Jesus insurance though typically. Uh, they they don't last in the long term because Jesus turns out to be kind of a lousy disaster insurance policy. Jesus Jesus just doesn't promise freedom from from troubles. In fact, Jesus says, "In this world you will have trouble." He says, "Take heart because I've overcome the world." But but the experience of Christians throughout history is is that we experience heartbreak and tragedy just just like the rest of the world. The difference is that we serve the one who has overcome the world so we can have hope and peace in the midst of it. But but if your expectation is that I'm going to follow Jesus and everything's going to go well, more than likely you will be disappointed. Some people come to Jesus because they think that they'll receive all kinds of, of tangible blessings. There is no shortage of preachers in this world who will say, if you just write a check to our ministry... The Lord will bless you, not all of them have southern accents i don 't think, but in my mind uh, it 's a proven business model it 's a proven i mean it's it is lucrative to to promise blessings for for financial gifts. It is a proven uh, there there is no shortage of folks making those claims in the world the The reality is that the Lord just doesn 't typically honor that kind of of the, that is not written in the bible anywhere it, it's very difficult to make a biblical case for giving in order to receive uh, it is true it is true that christians tend to be prosperous though because we we tend to be people who by our priorities by following the biblical wisdom about finances we we tend to do all right by being diligent in in our work we we tend to to do okay uh it, it's true but I don't think that it's because th- there is no magic in this. We, we give as a ble- because it blesses us to give, uh, not to receive a monetary blessing back or a physical blessing back. Some people come to Jesus because it's tradition. Here on Mother's Day, you know, what better day to talk about the family tradition of following the Lord, of, of being Christian. And some some people, uh, we, we we just... We believe in Jesus, or we we go to church because because it's what we've always done. It's what we do in in our culture, in our family, in our community. We we are people who who go to church. The the problem with this is Jesus. If we're really going to intentionally follow Jesus, Jesus at some point is going to find that area that conflicts with our culture or our family or or whatever the tradition is, because Jesus is just always looking for areas to perfect us. And so Jesus is always looking for that rough spot in our lives. And, and often those rough spots in our lives have to do with our culture or our family of origin or, or whatever reason it is that maybe brought you to the church. And you find that, oh, here it is confronting me, that, that Jesus wants to, to smooth out that rough area that comes from, from tradition or from, from family. And so I, I don't know if, if Jesus is looking for a specific answer when he says, what do you want to, to these disciples? But when, when I consider the reasons that a person might follow Jesus, there are, there are two that make sense to me that, that won't leave you disappointed, at least if, if these are the reasons that you follow Jesus. The, the first is, is freedom from sin and darkness and death, uh, newness of life in in Jesus's own words in in John 3:16 Jesus's own words of his purpose for being here on earth is to give life eternal he he is here to forgive us of our sins and give us a new quality of life when in in the rest of the New Testament the apostle Paul talks about the victory that we can have over sin and death when we follow Jesus we we can we can live a life of free from, from addiction, free from, from the things that, that take us away from good relationships and God's purpose in our life. And so it, it's for our benefit to serve the Lord, not only for, for eternity, we can, we can face death with peace, but right here in this life, we experience God's power to love well, to, to live in, in peace, to live lives marked by joy, and and to to have control over our urges that damage ourselves and our relationships. And and if you're if you're looking for Jesus to transform your life, that's a great reason to to follow after Jesus. That's a great reason. Jesus is offering that to his followers. The second reason I I think we we can follow Jesus, and and as we have followed Jesus, and and we we mature in our in our faith in Jesus we we begin to follow Jesus for Jesus sake simply simply to be with Jesus our, we 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 begin to to love Jesus because he is the creator of our souls and in him our souls find rest our our hearts find comfort in in a world that is increasingly vexing increasingly concerning Jesus is a place where we can find peace. Jesus is a place where where we can can find help in trouble. Jesus shouted out to the crowds, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he says. We live in a world that can burden our souls feel like a heavy load on our hearts. Jesus says, come to me and find rest. Find a light burden. Jesus gives us what we never knew we needed until we followed him. Now, with that, I need to continue on through the passage. I could probably stop there and say amen and we can intentionally follow Jesus from there, but... I'm a preacher, and I still have time before noon, and so uh, there's still a few verses. I'm, I want to continue on in this passage. I, I'm going to, to keep unpacking. First, uh, let me look at verses uh, from John chapter 1, still in John chapter 1, uh, verses 40 through 42. John says, "'Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these who had heard that John, what John said and then followed Jesus.' Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So John... Tells us that it's Andrew as one of the disciples from from verse 35. But then he he tells us the story of Jesus calling Peter. Peter is just a a significant enough character in the Gospel of John that we need all of the details we can get about him. So later on in in the Gospel, Peter is going to play a really prominent role. And so here is really just John's way, the Gospel's way, of, of introducing who this guy is and how he came to follow Jesus. It's it's a checkbox that John needs to make to make the rest of the book make sense. And so we'll move right along, and and we'll look at the passage uh, where where we get to some of my favorite parts. We'll start with verses uh, 43 and 44. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Now, the, this next section begins uh, with the calling of, of Philip. John advances a day in the calendar. It's the next day, and so another day, another disciple for, for John's gospel, and and we we find this guy Philip, and Philip's not related to the disciples of Jesus that had heard about Jesus, started following Jesus the day before. He's just just a new guy. And really, we get the story of Philip in order to get to the story of Nathanael, which begins in, in, verses, uh, in verse 45. So starting in verse 45, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Verse 46, Nazareth, exclaimed "Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Pause. Uh, just as an aside, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? It is, it is this passage, it is this idea of nothing good coming from Nazareth that the forefathers of the church of the Nazarenes said, I think we'll be Nazarenes. We, we claim to be the church that the rest of the world looks at and says, them? Can anything good come from them? We, we welcome that as our reputation. Historically, we are a church of people who preached too radically for the congregations we came from. We preached this message of God's transforming power in our lives to the extent that other Christians looked at us and said, that's too weird, you need to go find your own home. And so there were a bunch of of Christians in the same boat, out exiled from their own church, and we gathered under the title, the Church of the Nazarene. And and more than that, we we were the church of, of the poor, the church of recovering addicts. The, the church of the down on their luck and the church of the down and out, we were the people that said, can anything good come from them? Now today, the church of the Nazarene, we are like the coolest church in the valley for sure. But we, welcome, we welcome this view from the world. We welcome, we welcome people to look at us and say, them, can anything good come from them? Because it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the Nazarene. It's about Jesus that we follow. And, and, you know, Nathaniel asks the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? And lo and behold, the Savior of the world comes from Nazareth. We are the people that the rest of the world looks at and says, can anything good come from them? And lo and behold, here we are preaching the gospel of the the Savior of the world. So, sorry, that's an aside. I, I love I love being Nazarene because can anything good come from Nazareth? We continue on in verse 46. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi! You are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Uh, You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So Philip is so excited about having met Jesus, he's sure that he has found the Messiah, he goes and finds his friend Nathaniel, and he invites him to follow Jesus too. Nathaniel is hesitant, right? Nathaniel has his reservations. Nazareth, you know, he, he's from Nazareth, next you're going to be telling me he was born in a barn. I mean, that's that's as bad as it is to be from Nazareth, and uh, so Nathaniel Nathaniel's reaction makes it clear that Nazareth is just it's just off the map. It, I mean, not only is it unimportant, Nazareth, by the way, doesn't appear at all in the Old Testament. There there is nothing of note about Nazareth, and and so Nathaniel's reaction reveals you know it's just it's just a nowhere place. It's nobody knows anything. What good comes out of that that town? And, and, and so Philip hears his friend say, Nazareth? Really? And, and Philip says, Listen, I know Nazareth. You gotta meet this guy. You, you just, you've got to meet Jesus. I, I had questions too, but you've got to meet this guy, Jesus. It's, it's, like, it's like when you're trying to get a child to eat something that's delicious, but they won't eat it because it's brown, right? It, you've got to try it. You've got to try it. You will love it. Philip says, you've got to meet Jesus. I know you have questions, but the answer to your questions is to meet Jesus. And so Philip breaks down Nathaniel's defenses a little bit. He gets him to go. He gets him to see see uh, see Jesus, and then Jesus has this this bizarre reaction to Nathaniel. Uh, Here is a true son of Israel, a man of integrity, and 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 I can just kind of see Philip being embarrassed, like, oh, that's totally something that someone from Nazareth would say, like, just keep it. But but Nathaniel is intrigued. He's intrigued. He, he wants to know, how do you know about me? Jesus says, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And notice that we, we have no idea. Again, this is a matter of, of complete conjecture. You can make up whatever story you want to. But but Philip, or Nathaniel, is, uh, is intrigued by it. He's not embarrassed by it, and and Jesus has a favorable impression of Nathanael because of whatever was happening under the fig tree. So there's something there, there's something there that really piques Nathanael's interest, that something important happened under the fig tree, and Jesus knows about it, and and Nathanael wants to, wants to hear more. And, and, Nathaniel's reaction is, is is almost over the top. It's, it's not just, oh, you know about that. N- Nathaniel replies, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Th- these are important, powerful titles that Nathaniel gives to Jesus here. If this, was, if this sermon was all about the identity of Jesus, then we would unpack all three of these titles. Rabbi, Son of God, King of Israel. We're talking about following Jesus. So we're going to focus a little bit more on, on Nathaniel here. But, but this, is, this is an amazing reaction from a person. Just, just on knowing that Jesus had, had seen what happened under the fig tree, Nathaniel is ready to, to give all of this honor to Jesus. The last two, two verses shows Jesus saying, ha, that's nothing. Fig tree thing? Ah, yeah, that's nothing compared to what you're going to see if you follow me. And so Jesus in, invites him. This passage for me, it, it, it really boils down to, to one incredibly important question and and the invitation. That question, what do you want? That question is so important for us as we consider why we follow Jesus. When, when we think about intentionally following Jesus, we, we need to know what we believe Jesus is offering. We need to know why we are following Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't offer leisure. He doesn't offer ease or wealth or fame. Jesus offers an invitation to follow and a cross to pick up. This is not a a particularly glamorous offer that Jesus is giving us. But Jesus also offers us his spirit to empower us. Jesus offers us the, the spirit that can transform us to make us the type of people we are created to be. We we need to know why we follow Jesus if we are going to to do all of these things that we say are intentionally following Jesus, particularly when it comes to to sharing about Jesus. In my my foundational thoughts about what it means to be a believer, I I believe that we, we will never share our faith if we don't know why we have it if we don't understand the transforming power of Jesus in our own lives, if we can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus because, then evangelism will always be a dirty word. It'll always be sort of weird and icky, and why would I do that? But if we can say from our own experience and from the depth of our own hearts, I follow Jesus because... And we begin to be the type of people who, who love to share what God has done. We begin to be the type of people who, who can't help but, but share our faith and, and what, what we believe God could do in the lives of the people around us. And so this offer from Jesus, you know, he, he off, what he offers is, is an invitation and a cross to pick up. It may not seem like that great an offer. And for the people that we come into contact with on in a, in a day-in and day-out basis, there's a lot of people who think that that's kind of, kind of not a very good offer at all. And so we have to switch to this invitation. Intentionally following Jesus is about coming and seeing. And over and over again in this passage, we read, come and see. Jesus tells the disciples of John the Baptist, come and see. Philip says, come and see. Come and see. We we can't take someone else's word for it. Coming and seeing, it's about about taking a step of faith. It's about putting our our money where our mouth is. It's about being willing to step out and and do what we don't know if we can do. It's about grabbing a life jacket and jumping off the back of the boat, saying, I'm going to try it. And so on this Mother's Day, I, I would guess that there are some people here who, who are hearing Jesus say, "Come and see." Come and see. And maybe, maybe if you're not hearing Jesus say, "Come and see," hear hear my voice. May I be like Philip this morning? May I invite you and say, "I know you have your doubts. I, you have every reason to be skeptical. I, I know that you don't have all of the answers." come and see, come and see, I've met Jesus, I've met him, and, and he's changed how I see the rest of the world. I've met Jesus, and he, and he is working in my heart, he's changing me, so why don't you come and see? This is what it means to, to intentionally follow Jesus, to come and, and see See just what Jesus might do. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you have sent Jesus to be our Savior. We thank you that you have sent Jesus and and you have sent him on purpose to give us a new new quality of life, to transform us, to make us new. We thank you, God, that you have sent Jesus to call us to himself. And so, Lord, we call out to you. And we say, Lord, here we are. We're willing to to come and see what it might be like to take steps to follow Jesus. We want to walk the path behind him. We're not, we're not so sure about this invitation and this cross to pick up. We've got questions. But we believe in faith, Lord, that we'll find answers as we follow. And so, God, this morning... Mother's Day 2022, we're willing to come. We're willing to follow after you. We're willing to see what Jesus could do in our hearts and in our lives. We're ready, Lord. We're ready to see you transform us. We're ready to see your work in each of our hearts. And we're ready to see your work through us in our community. We believe, Lord, as a congregation, this is where you have called us as a body. You are calling us to intentionally take steps of faith to follow our Savior. And so, God, guide us. We're, we're going we're to we're walk, Lord. We're going to keep going. Guide us. Give us direction. Help us to to stay just one step behind Jesus and follow him. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are hearing the message afresh, who might be saying, I have not been very intentional about following Jesus. For those who, who are thinking, I don't know why I do or why I would follow Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you would give these friends of mine the strength to come and see, to look to Jesus. Lord, we, we love this church, but we know that it's not about following this church, it's about following Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength to look. To Jesus, and to follow him, we believe that there is transforming power in the decision to just come and see what he might do. And so, Lord, with our hearts open, we, we anticipate your guiding hand to work. And we thank you, Lord. And it is in the name of our powerful Savior who we follow step by step that we pray. Amen. Will you stand? As we we intentionally follow Jesus, let me remind you those words from Matthew 16. Jesus says, all who would come after me should deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Go and follow him this week. You are dismissed.